Ephesians chapter 2. We looked uh, last time over at the prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, and this actually launched us into chapter 2, and there'll be some things that he will go over here, but of course we looked at the power of God that was on display when he raised Jesus from the dead. And here we have that being referred to when he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, "...in you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins." So the same comparison that Jesus Christ was made alive, brought from the dead by the power of God, power of God on display, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, if you have a King James or something like that, you will see that made alive is in italics, which means it is inserted. It's not actually in there. And it's true. It's not. Really, what Paul is saying is, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, the reason they inserted this is because down in verse 5, he's talking about you who were made alive. And so they put it up here because Paul goes on in his parenthetical way for several verses. And so you might lose track of that. And so they put this in here so that you understand that he's talking about you who he made alive. <laughs> so that's why they, they inserted that and put it in. Probably for good reason. I understand why they put it in there and, and uh, don't have any, any uh, bones to grind about that one. But, uh, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. The part here, um, the word for dead here is meaning spiritually dead. And I couldn't fit the rest of this in your outline here. So you have to just either write this down if you want it or just keep it in memory or do whatever you want to with it. But spiritually dead or destitute of a life that recognizes and is devoted to God. A state of separation between the person and God. It is destitute of a life that recognizes and is devoted to God. A state of separation between the person and God. If you need to see that again, you can come up here afterwards and take a look at it. But this is what it's referring to here, this, this kind of dead, spiritually dead, destitute of the life that recognizes and is devoted to God. There's a life that's on the inside of us that recognizes God and is devoted to God. It is a state, this death is a state of separation between the person and, and God. Death is always, in the Word of God, as far as God is concerned, death is always a separation. It is not a cessation, nor is it an extinction. When the Word of God talks about death, it talks about a separation. So sin separates us from God. That we were in our trespasses and sin, this is the state of our death, has to do with the trespasses and sin because of the makeup of the Greek here. Trespasses is uh, from the word to mean to deviate from the right path, to turn aside, or to wander. Trespasses means to deviate from the right path, to turn aside, or to wander. By comparison, sins is harmartia, which is to miss the mark, to fail in one's purpose. It's used of an arrow or of a spear that misses its target. It's used here of a person failing to obey the Word of God and failing to measure up in his life to the will of God. In Romans 3.23, this is a great example of it. You can certainly see the picture of this word displayed here. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark in that area. So what he is saying here is that we who were dead in the sphere or in the realm of trespasses and sins trespasses to deviate from the right path to turn aside or to wander and sins to miss the mark or to fail in one's purpose this is where we this is where we were this is this is where we used to be 
We were dead in trespasses and sins. It goes on to say, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works the sons of disobedience. Real fun verse here. It'll take us a little while to get through all this one. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. So one time, when we were dead in trespasses and sins, we once walked in this, this area. We ordered our behavior in here. The word walked is the word peripateo, which means it comes from, from uh, patent to, to walk and peri to uh, walk or to, to around or about. It means overall to walk around or to walk about. Basically, that's, that's all it is. This is where we walked when we were dead. It is to live or to regulate one's life, to conduct oneself or to order one's behavior. To live, to regulate one's life, to conduct oneself, to order one's behavior. So we who are dead in trespasses and sins, he says, in which you once walked, those trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. So according to here is from the Greek word kata, which means down. It speaks about that we are under these things. It's a preposition which in its local and root meaning has the idea of down, uh, meaning dominion and control. The act of ordering our behavior in the sphere of trespasses and sins is dominated or controlled by the course of this world. Now, the word there for course is from the, the Greek word ion, an age or the world. An age or the world. So, the course of this world the course of this world. The word there for world is from the, the word cosmos, which is more familiar to us. Uh, cosmos. Now I had this, I wrote this down in my outline so I could read this to you. All that floating mass of thoughts, this is from Trench, all that floating mass of thoughts, opinions, maxims, speculations, hopes, impulses, aims, aspirations, at any time current in the world, which it may be impossible to seize and accurately define, but which constitutes a most real and effective power being the moral or immoral atmosphere which at every moment of our lives we inhale again inevitably to exhale. All this is included. Well, it's a subtle spirit. It's a subtle uh, a bit of a, of a spirit that it comes around and informs us. And it's of the world. I've had it put this way. In, in comparing these two words, ion and cosmos, it is basically like cosmos is all the world looking at all of history and ion is looking at all the current thoughts and feelings and expectations and influences of that particular age. So what he's talking about here is that we ordered our behavior in the sphere of trespasses and sins dominated or controlled by the course, the prevailing thought of the world overall. The current day prevailing thought of the world overall. And you can see throughout history that the prevailing thought, the dominating influences have changed. But the cosmos would be looking at the world overall. But the ion be looking at those, those things that are going on now. So again, let's read this, this scripture. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So again, 
the course of this world is dominated by the prince of the power of the air. Who is the prince of the power of the air? Satan. Satan, Satan is the god of this world, or here it calls him the prince of the power of the air. The word there for air is a particular word that is talking about the atmosphere below the tops of the mountains. Below the tops of the mountains. That this is the, this is the atmosphere, this is the air in which Satan's kingdom operates. Where we are. Where we live and breathe. That's where they're out there uh, operating. In which he once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So the course of this world is dominated by the prince of the power of the air. He, As we were dominated by the course of this world, the course of this world is dominated by the prince of the power of this of the air. So what he's basically showing us is the progression that Satan dominates the course of this world, which then dominated the people who ordered their behavior in trespasses and sins. And that's where we were. And out of that, God made us alive. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, when you first read that, as it was easy for me to do, when I'm first reading this, it looks like the spirit refers back to the prince of the power of the air. Except it can't. Because in the Greek... The construction of both words is in a different... Uh, uh, anyway, the makeup of it is different. So they cannot refer to the same person. The prince of the power of the air is different from the spirit. Which will lead us to, to, to come to the question, <laughs> what is the spirit? In which he once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So what you know from this is that the prince of the power of the air dominates the course of this world, but that something else is working in the sons of disobedience that is not the prince of the power of the air. Well, Satan is a, is a limited being. He cannot work in all the sons of disobedience. He can only work in you know, one or two. It says in the, in the New Testament that Satan entered into Judas. But he can't enter into everybody else. He's a, he's a limited being. He can only be in one place at a time. So the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now if Satan, who is the head of the kingdom, does not have the ability himself to work in all people, then could there be anyone in his kingdom that does? No. I mean, if he can't do it, no one else is going to be able to do it. So so they cannot refer to a single being who's working in the sons of disobedience. Because if it's not going to be working or referring to Satan, then it's not referring to any one particular thing. So what is the spirit that is being pictured here? Well, I wrote it in your outline. The spirit is a different case than the than prince. So this, this spirit over in Romans 8.26, Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And we say that on the contrary side, that once we've been made alive, it is the Holy Spirit who comes out and he is he's able to influence all of us believers. Now, certainly we can understand that the Holy Spirit being God can be in all places. But on the contrary side, there seems to be something else going on. In uh, 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, plural, 
whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess the spirit that, that Jesus Christ has come is has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of... This is what? Is that singular or plural? This... And this is... Singular. The carries the article. If it carries the article, it is referring to a specific spirit. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now and is now already in the world. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. There is a spirit of Antichrist that goes around denying that Christ, denying Christ, denying Him. And people that become of the Spirit do the same thing and deny the same thing. And so what He's saying is that there is this spirit, there is this influence, this realm of thinking that is out there that is causing people to deny Christ. And those, even though they may be named as believers that are of this, this is how you can tell. Test the spirits. This is how you can tell. So those spirits would be of the spirit of Antichrist. And so the spirit that he could be referring to there, maybe not. it's not necessarily the spirit of Antichrist, but it's that type of a thing, that type of an influence, one that would, a, a, a prevailing thought, a prevailing uh, uh, influence that would cause people to stay in, this, in the realm of sins Missing the mark, trespasses, disobedience. So just as the course of this world is there is that spirit, there is that way of thinking that you are either going to become of the Holy Spirit or you become of the spirit of the world or of the spirit of Antichrist or of the spirit of a prevailing thought that is against the things of God. Now, we get a little bit more out of this when it talks about the sons of disobedience. The sons, the word there for disobedience means disbelief obstinate and rebellious, disobedience, unbelief, impersuadable and uncompliant. That's quite a bit packed into one word, isn't it? When Weiss translates this, he translates it the sons of impersuadableness. The sons of impersuadableness. These are people that are obstinate, in disbelief, uncompliant to the things of God. I had it copied out. I wanted to bring this over and I, I forgot to put it in my notes. So I, I'm not really up on all the news people. Uh, but there's this one particular news people who just this week came out and called the book of Revelation in the Bible a work of fiction. And that any true, uh, rational-minded religious person does not believe it. That it talks about a God... And I'll get the quote. I'll bring it out on Sunday. It talks about God as as like Hitler. I mean, this is a, a, a Lance or or Lawrence. I mean, it's an MSNBC guy. I mean, that is the most hideous network anyway. But I know only about six people listen to it. But uh, this guy came on out and he just denounced. He denounced particular individuals who uh, pronounced belief in the Book of Revelation by name. And then told them, don't listen to them, listen to me. This, I mean, I saw the video. I watched the video. I got a little video clip of the TV show and saw him. Don't listen to them, listen to me. 
<laughs> called the book of Revelation a work of fiction. Actually called the Bible a work of fiction, but in particular the book of Revelation. Well, see, that's of that spirit of, of disobedience. They're in that sphere. They're giving into that, that, that uh, way of thinking. And they order their behavior within that, and they think it's normal. And anything outside of that is abnormal. And so we as Christians who believe in the Bible, believe in Revelation, believe in such things, are looked at as abnormal, wrong. And I mean, the, the language this guy uses was pretty strong for TV to denounce those who would believe these things. The sons of disobedience. We have that up there. In which he once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So this is that that influence, that prevailing thought, that just as the Holy Spirit would inspire us to pray for things that we don't even know, but He'll help us to get there, so too there's a contrary force on the other side to influence people to sin and disobey and miss the mark and not follow after God's plans and to do all these things. They work in the sons of disobedience, the ones who have not been made alive, the ones that are dead in the trespasses and sins. Those ones. So that's what he says here in verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So these are people that are out there and we have exposure to all of them. We can hear their words. We can hear their things that they have to say. They are walking according to the course of this world. The thoughts and influences of this world. Which is according to the prince of the power of the air. Under the dominion of, the, of Satan. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So in my mind, that word spirit there refers back to the course of this world. If it's going to refer to anything. That those are the, those are the influential, influential things that they're giving into. Well, then it goes on in verse, uh, verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Well, we all once conducted ourselves according to that way, in the lust of our flesh. Whatever we wanted, we wanted to go out there and get it. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath. So by nature, by following after that nature, we become children who are destined for wrath. Oh, but we were made alive. We were quickened out of that. Thank God for that one, right? <laughs> Go over to verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy. Well, after painting a picture like that, I guess we need a God who's rich in mercy. <laughs> but God, in contrast to all that, but God, who is rich in mercy. Now, contrast this. But God, who is rich in mercy, to the prince of the power of the air, who is keeping the people under this influence, in this fear of sin, of sin and disobedience, in operating themselves in here, for keeping them for, just for um, judgment. And he knows that he's keeping them there for judgment. And the contrast is, but God, who is rich in mercy, which means the prince of the power of the air is not operating to mercy, but operating something completely contrary to mercy. That's how he's operating. But God, who is rich in mercy, oh, to be rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. I put this in your outline. Great mercy comes from great 
love. If you ever need to have, if you ever find yourself not operating in mercy when you know you should be, if you feel like there, I don't have more mercy in this, I just don't feel very merciful, then the problem is a lack of love towards that person, towards that situation. If we increase the love in that area, the mercy is also increased. I thought of this example for it. How many people like waterfalls? Like, I mean, waterfalls are beautiful. Some folks like to see them in pictures. Some folks like to get in there and, and get under them and get there and interact with the waterfall. But either way, they're all, we think they're pretty, they're, they're nice. But any great waterfall, like Niagara, or like that one that's down in Central America, I forget what that one was, I think it's an I, I think. No, it wasn't that one. But that one's, that's another, another big one. These, these great waterfalls, they have to, in order to have a great waterfall, you have to have a great source of water. Without a great source of water, it's a trickle. It's not a good waterfall. It's nothing. You need to have a great source of water. My sister tells me of this beautiful falls. It's down there in uh, Yosemite Park. It's just oh, beautiful waterfall. But they say it's only, it only happens during the spring meltdown. When they had the spring melt, all the snows melt, and this waterfall is huge and it's coming down and it's gorgeous and there's lots of water. And then after it all melts down and goes away, then it's, you know, it's just this trickle. I forget the name of it. Beautiful, beautiful waterfall. Great mercy comes from great love. The reason that God has great mercy is because of His great love for us. He is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Then He goes on to say this, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we were in that state that he just described, trespasses and sins, operating ourselves in that sphere of influence, in that mind, that way of thinking that was governed by the prince of the power of the air, even though that's where we were, even though that's where we ordered our behavior, even though that's how we walked, God had great love for us. Because of that, he had great mercy. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. That's where our word comes in that they brought up to verse 1. And you can see why he did it. The translator did it. I, I certainly understand why. It got us to thinking about this is, the, this is where he's going. He's going about talking about this quickening, this part here. And Paul eventually gets to it here. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, the word there for made us alive has at its root the word we know real well, zoe. He made us alive. He quickened us together with Christ. In other words, the same way that He made Christ alive from, the, uh, from hell, the pit of hell, from the pit of death, and brought Him back to life, so He did the same for us. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So even when we were dead, undeserving, and we were unappealing. I mean, we were undeserving of it, and we were certainly unappealing, because He just described the state of which we were ordering our behavior. And that is certainly an unappealing state. This is not a, not a good place to be. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And raised us up together. Now the together is not just talking about us, but raised us up together with Him. He just talked about the great power that was on display to raise Christ from the dead. And how that's the benchmark of the power of God. And that He's used that same power on us. And that same power, He quickened us the same way He quickened Christ, the same way He made Him alive, He made us alive. Made us alive together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, what ages are to come? Well, we have the tribulation age. We have the millennial age. And then we have the age of the new heaven and new earth. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Well, certainly, His mercy was demonstrating His kindness toward us because anyone who's going to come after us when we are undeserving, unappealing, locked up in a state that is so much against God, influenced by powers that are against God, and just walking around in that sphere, in that area of influence. And he said, you know what? You guys are stuck in that muck and mire. I want to bring you on out and make you guys alive. And that's what he did. Amen. Made us alive. The word made us alive is to cause to live, to make alive, to give life. To give life. Romans 6 verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? As many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Again, we're comparing the resurrection of Christ to the life that we've been given. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him. Our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, no longer be ordering our behavior in the sphere of trespasses and disobedience, and missing the mark. No longer held there by the power of the air. For he who has, been, who has died has been freed from sin. If we died to it, we are no longer under it. We are freed from it. Glory to God. Not under that thing anymore. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Well, salvation is a gift of God. But do notice this. It is by grace through faith. It is by grace, but it is through faith. If it is by grace, there is no part on us if it is by faith, it is available to us, but waiting for us to act. But this is by grace, through faith. 
Now, we don't have too many things that are actually combining these things that are by grace through faith. We have some things that are by grace. Some things that are by grace. The coming of Jesus Christ for His church. Is that something that's by faith? It's by grace. It's the grace of God. God cut those days short. Let's do them. Well, He cut the tribulation short, but He's got to start the tribulation by His coming. And so the coming for His church is by grace. Even the coming at the end of the tribulation is by grace. There was, it, it, our, our faith and our believing has nothing to do with it. We could believe in a post-trib, mid-trib, or pre-trib. And it makes no difference because our faith, as far as the coming of Christ, has no effect on it. It's by grace. So that's an example of something that is by the grace of God. It's not for us at all. I, I, I don't, I don't have that. It, I'm, it, my influence isn't there. There's a number of things in the Word of God. If you put your thought to it, you can begin to come up with other things that are just by grace. They're not by my faith. There are some things that are through faith. Jesus, very often when people got healed, would say to them, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say, by grace and through faith, you have been made whole. He didn't say, if he meant it, he would have said it. <laughs> he didn't say it. He said, your faith has made you whole. So there are some things that it's our faith, that the things out there, it's, it's waiting, but until we access it by faith, it doesn't happen. But then we have other ones that our faith isn't involved with at all. It's, it's just by grace. But in this one, we have the combination where it is by grace and through faith. This would be a good one to meditate on all week long and just see if you can come up with something else that's by grace and through faith. But here we have it. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. So in this one, we know for sure that it's by grace and through faith. Now what happens if we, if we just operate in such a way as to expect salvation by grace? It's not going to work, is it? Not according to this verse. What happens if we expected that it's through faith? Then it's not quite going to, we're not going to get it either. Because he says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should, should boast. So there's no work, but if there's a believing on my part, isn't that a little bit of work? Well, we know from other places in the Word of God that Jesus Himself, or the, the, the Word of God teaches us, that salvation comes to us through faith, but the faith that we need for salvation is given to us by God. <laughs> that we receive the faith to believe for the grace gift of salvation. Because He's given each one of us a measure of faith. Here, here's, a, here's a measure of faith. Now do something with it. Here, I'm giving you the measure of faith. Here is salvation Here's what you need. Go get it. So it's not really by works because I was given what I needed to do. You know, it's like when your your kids are little and they want a, a pack of gum and you give them a dollar. You give them 50 cents. Go get it. Well, there's no working on their part. You gave them what they needed. But you had them go out there and do it. It's the same thing. God says, here's the grace or here's the, here's the faith the grace is provided, now go get it. So it's not available, I mean it's available for all, but not all get it. And these folks who go out there to do the inclusion type of doctrines, you know, that everybody is saved are wrong. Because it is by grace, through faith. And that's the limiting factor. 
by grace and through faith. And that not of yourselves. Well, if I have to believe, then it's of myself. No, it was a gift of God. God gave you the faith that you needed to believe for salvation. Otherwise, we'd all be in different places in faith and some would have faith for it and some wouldn't. But God says, no, we're going to bypass that. I'm just going to give you the faith that you need. Here, you got faith. Here it is. Now you can believe for salvation. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So this is how salvation comes. It is by grace and it is through faith. Some things are by grace. Some things are by mercy. Things that are by mercy are different than the things that are by grace. If you are in an area where you receive something from mercy, you missed it. If you ever need mercy, it's because you missed it. You do, grace is not because you missed it. But mercy is. If God extends mercy to us, God who is, how many times does Paul talk about God who is merciful? <laughs> Why do you need somebody merciful? Because we missed it. We came up short. We were not measuring up. It was all, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm just not there on this. <laughs> have mercy on me. God says, okay, here you go. I got plenty of mercy because I got so much love for you. God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us. But there's a difference between mercy and grace. And salvation is that thing of, of grace. He does not put salvation in the category of mercy. He puts it in the category of grace. It is a grace gift. It's really easy for us to think of it as a mercy gift though, isn't it? But it is a grace gift. For by grace you have been saved. Not through mercy, but through faith. And that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I know often we think of the gift of God as being the grace of salvation. Grace to give us salvation. But also the faith was a gift from God that we could believe that we could be saved. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship. We are His workmanship. We were His workmanship when we were in sin because He made us. But then we were also His workmanship when we got saved because we're created in the image of Christ. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's our purpose. That's why that's why He went through. I went through this grace part, giving you the faith for the purpose of putting you in a place for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not walk in disobedience, not walk in sin, not walk, walk in areas where we were missing the mark. That was the old area. But he didn't want us to be in there. He wanted us to be in the area where we are now walking in the good works. We're created for good work. Good works, we're not supposed to just sit around and do nothing. We're supposed to get out there and get basically in the kingdom of God. And that's what Paul also was talking about in verse, or in chapters one. How we have a call that we need to, he, part of his prayer was that they would find out what the call the hope of his calling was. That was the first of the three parts we looked at. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, for good works, which God prepared 
beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh yeah, walk in the good work. That's where God wants us to be. When we're walking in disobedience, missing the mark, obstinate, such things as that. Nah, that's not right. Being over here. But there are people out there who, who don't even realize it. They're walking in the old area. This is the new area we're supposed to be walking in. There are some works that people do that are going to get burned up because they're works of flesh. They look like they're spiritual works, but they're works of flesh. And the judgment of Christ is going to have us get rid of all those works of flesh and we're going to go into a place where we are in the, the works of the Spirit. And these are the things that are going to pass themselves on. And these are the things that cross over into the other side. But the works of the flesh, we can't always tell the difference ourselves, but God can. God can tell the difference. People have ordered their behavior in an area of missing the mark. Trespasses and sins. It's the old area. It's the, the, the influence of the, the people of this air, of, of, of this world. People of the, of the world where that spirit that is influencing people that is causing people to act in this particular area. He says, no, it's not for you. You're to be in this area, this area of good works, this area here. This is where I want you to be. But the people, I like how we translated that, the people that were obstinate, the sons of disobedience, the sons of, of uh, uh, basically hard-heartedness, basically just saying uh, unpersuadable, unpersuadableness. They, they can't be persuaded. And doggone if we don't see this, folks, in the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, we shouldn't see it in the church of Jesus Christ, but oh, we sure do. We see some people that are just obstinate, hard-hearted, unpersuadable. I've seen it with Christians where they have a quarter of the information and decided on the whole. They don't even know all the things that are going on. How many times have you heard believers going around and talking about brother so-and-so? Sister so-and-so? Maybe a minister uh, uh, of God in some way. Out there working and, and doing the things of, of God. Ordering their behavior in the sphere of good works. But they're over there talking about them now. You know, they believe in this and, and they're wrong. and They don't even have all the information. They've never talked to brother or sister so-and-so. They just see what they hear. Or see what they, a little bit they see on TV maybe, or, or hear a little bit here, or hear what brother so and so said about them, or sister so and so said about them, and they've decided on the whole. And you talk to them, and there's no persuading them. No, no, they're, they're missing it, they're wrong, they're, they're not right, and you, you shouldn't listen to them either. Doggone, that's the spirit of the, that's the spirit of the world, folks. Don't get into it. There's too many times we have seen Christians who have decided about other people based on very little. And that is wrong. That is giving into the old spirit of things. The Word of God tells us that this new spirit apparently believes the best in others. Apparently endures all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. <laughs> That's what this spirit is about. But oh, we see people of a different spirit. And they don't realize they are yielding their members to being sons of disobedience. To being influenced by the prince of the power of the air who is influencing the spirit of this world who orders their behavior within the realm of the wrong kind of works. But they don't see it. And if you try and talk to them about it, 
they're hard, they're obstinate, they are still operating as sons of disobedience with the appearance of sons of righteousness. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. What do we have to make opinions based on other believers, based on other churches and other works, other things going on? Most of the time we're making it with less than full information, only partial information. We don't know the whole thing. We never talked to anybody. But yet here we are making all these things and passing it off as if it's fact. No, folks, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Oh, if we only sat back and looked at some of the things we do. Are they good? Are they good works? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Some things are by grace. Some things are by mercy. Some are by grace and faith. These things that are made available by grace and faith are made available to all by grace, but accessed by faith. Accessed by faith. We certainly need to have an understanding. What things are of grace? What things are of mercy? What things are of faith? And what things are of grace and faith? Because each one, there's different rules that apply. Different situations that we need to be in in order for them to happen. And God will give us that understanding. But as we look in here in this part of Ephesians, let's make sure that we are never, ever in the area of verse 2 where it talks about the people that are under the wrong influence. We don't need to be under that at all. Let's read to verse 2 again. In which, well, verse 1, And you He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prevailing thinking of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, or under the authority of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Well, we all once conducted ourselves in this area, but now, he says, you are prepared for good works to walk in them and not in here. There are two spheres, two arenas. There is the works of the flesh and there is the works that are good works. Where do we order our behavior? Where are we walking where are we finding ourselves on a regular basis? We should be in the latter. Father, we thank You for the help that You give us to understand Your Word better, to walk in the power that God has provided, to receive those things that have been provided for us by grace, to access those things that have been made for, available to us through faith, to receive mercy when we need mercy, to give mercy when we need to give it. And when we don't feel that mercy, we know we need to increase in our love. But Father, we want to order our behavior not in the sphere, the old sphere of things, not in the sphere of trespasses and sins, 
but are not of good works, not in those things that bring glory and honor to God. And Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.